for the bridge here. Well, good morning, everyone. This is Claudette um, with the East County Scene. Um, this is the Music Industry Studies Program at Cuyameca College. And today we are doing a little bit of history documentation. Um, we have the wonderful Dr. Leon Kelly, one of San Diego's um, medical doctors. He's a retired pediatrician. He is also a longtime member of Christ United Presbyterian Church. His official title is Ruling Elder. <laughs> um, he is also the worship committee chair and the minister of music there. Good morning, Dr. Kelly. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Very well. Thank you for joining us. In addition to that, ah, no, it is ours. In addition to that, we have the wonderful William B.J. Robinson. Mr. Robinson, or B.J., is um, coming to us from Mariah Performing Arts, um, director of the theater education there, and he's a new member of Christ United Presbyterian Church as the music director. So today we're going to hear some wonderful stories and information regarding these fine gentlemen. So aside from what we would assume a music director would position would entail, based on the title, music director, <laughs> um, I presume it's important that you have a part in the spiritual leadership team, meaning um, I noticed that a lot of times as my time at Christ United, um, you double as the choir director, section lead. Um, I've even seen you orchestrate the orchestra during Messiah. Um, everything from the notes themselves to the dy dynamics or the diction or articulation. Is this customary for a music director to carry so many hats? <laughs> I, I, I think so, uh, to probably do it effectively. I have the advantage over many of having done this for probably uh, most of my life. So uh, <laughs> just, to, just to let you know, it's, it's, if you see me like last December directing the Messiah, just know that the first time I ever did this was probably over 50 years ago and many times in between. So, um, you know, just with time <laughs> you, uh, develop and, 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 and in fact, for me, that has been my, my training has been more like, uh, being on the job, but, um, okay. in my family, my mother, uh, directed the choir at our church. And she also ran, um, she developed a youth orchestra. And of course, since I've been playing the cello since I was about five years old, um, my first experience with something like the Messiah was when I was 10 years old and I was playing in the youth orchestra, playing the, the cello part. And so having, you know, carried that through my lifetime, um, mm -hmm. that makes it easy for me to be able to juggle all those hats that you were talking about. I see. Cause and, my next question was going to be, yes. um, how do you find yourself in the position of music director and what was your background, but you kind of already moved forward there. 
Well, so. that's, and I can give you a little bit more about that. I, okay, uh, okay. Was um, started, I, I guess I started singing in a choir when I was uh, probably about 10 or 11 also. It, it was kind of a nice experience for me. It was a youth choir, and I was like the youngest person in the choir. Most of the other people were teenagers, and so I got to hang out with the older kids, which was a lot of fun <laughs> for me. But um, I think when I first started, I probably, my voice hadn't really changed much, so I could actually sing alto. And then I got down to tenor, and now, you know, I, I, I sing bass. So over the years, my voice has changed. But that's where my choir... Uh, experience began and I began as a, uh, uh, a choir member and uh, during the time that I was in uh, high school uh, our choir director made me the assistant choir director so all of a sudden ah. even at an early age I began directing and then um, when I started college my my brother-in-law who's a minister went and developed his, had his own, started his own church. And I, of course, went over to work with him at that church. And I directed the youth choir, directed the youth choir at that church. And then, um, so my choir experience then continued all through high school, college. When I went away to medical school, I was in Nashville, Tennessee. I had the opportunity to sing with the Fisk Choir, not the Fisk Jubilee Singers, although I did. Go and, and audition for that, and I I was accepted. Except that uh, they told me that we travel two or three months out of the year, and of course I was in medical school across the street at Meharry, and there was no way I could leave. So I okay. couldn't do that, but I did sing with their university choir, and that was a great experience to have a black college and experience uh, uh, the particular. Uh, uh, conductor at that time, or the mm-hmm. person whose music we worked on a lot was John Work, and he's a okay. very famous uh, spiritual uh, composer. And mm-hmm. we uh, did a number of his works. I actually was able to get one of his books <laughs> that he had put together a number of spirituals and work songs. And I've always kind of fallen back on that when I want to come up with something. <laughs> different and um, okay but that's right, always so. been a, a big part of, of my uh, uh, musical uh, appreciation life is when I had the opportunity to spend time in Nashville and okay. well if I rem- if I may jump in here Mitt, just so for our listeners the Fisk um, choir the Fisk Jubilee choir is an African African-American acapella ensemble if I remember correctly um, yes, and it's it's one yes. right, and it's one of the first groups organized solely to tour and raise money for the Black College. Um, their their early repertoire, if I remember correctly, consisted mostly of traditional spirituals and such. Right? Um, absolutely. Of course, they were yeah. in the early the late nineteenth century is when they actually started. Okay. And, uh, okay. There may have been eight to ten of them. And they actually went around the world singing and trying to raise money for this. And right. of course, is a big, a big source of income for the college. Yes. And, and yeah. by the time I got there in 1960, um, they were, uh, you know, very well known, very established. 
Yes. And yes, uh, they yes. did concerts all during the year, and they were just amazing to go to and see. I, I knew most of the people that sang in the choir because they also sang in the in in the in the, the university choir as well as the Jubilee Singers. So I got to be friends with them, and some of the people at my school, Meharry, also had been in the Jubilee Singers, so good friends with them. It was a wonderful time. I spent four wow. years in Nashville, and uh, we actually developed the Meharry Singers, which was made up of most of the people who were at Meharry, but they had been in the Jubilee Singers before, so they were well. really okay. great singers, and we were able to do some uh, great works. And um, so that was a very... Um, that was a great time and learning experience for me. And then after I graduated medical school, I came to San Diego to the Naval Hospital for an internship and got connected with, um, at the time, Golden Hill Presbyterian Church and worked with them all the time that, that I was here in the Navy until I got out in 1970. And then I became a mainstay at uh, Golden Hill Presbyterian Church. Which is now Christ United. Which is now Christ United. Right, right. that's okay. Now, let's, let's jump in a little bit here with, with Mr. BJ. And BJ, did you give me permission to call you BJ? Oh, yes, yes. Okay. I, I was saying go right ahead. <laughs> so um, we're having a little sit down this morning with Dr. Kelly, a.k.a. Leon and BJ, with reference to music, Christ United, and how we came to be at this place in this juncture. BJ, could you share with us how your musical background, where you where you hail from now that you're at Christ United and on that musical team? Sure. Um, so I, I come from uh, New Jersey uh, and uh, was born uh, in, in the 80s, where f- <laughs> for me... I was I was always drawn to music, and that <laughs> manifested in uh, a lot of radio listening, a lot of just sitting down and listening to the radio. We had a big sound system in our living room, and um, my my siblings, you know, I grew up with there. There's seven of us total now in kids, but there were five of us for the the, the meanwhile, and um, you know, they didn't enjoy me taking as much control as I did in the living room just to sit and listen to the radio. But I, I was always into music, and that was everything from uh, the oldies station, as it was called then, playing music of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, uh, to Prairie Home Companion storytelling on, on Saturday Oh, wow. Very diverse. Very diverse. Uh, to, to Sunday mornings with Sinatra before and after going to church. Uh, so I was also raised uh, in in the uh, Catholic uh, faith, Catholic Church. Um, first, a little at uh, St. Anthony's in Camden, which was a Franciscan Catholic church. And then uh, most uh, of the, my upbringing within the church at St. Cecilia's Catholic Church, um, uh, it, it just like one town over when we moved that one town over. But um, I mean, I listened to everything and then found my way into singing through through church choir, through um, holiday concerts where my dad sang in, in with, along with the church choir. And so, so I would join them at those times and was always involved in church growing up because of its music, but then also just, I mean, I loved classical music. I remember, I think it was like third grade. I was taking uh, my friend Jewel out on a Valentine's date 
And and we definitely went and had dinner at the mall with our parents, just like, you know, a few booths over. Um, but then afterwards, we went to see the Haddonfield Symphony playing Beethoven, because that's what I thought was a, a great <laughs> Valentine's Day romance kind of kind of thing to do, even at, at you know, nine, <laughs> 10 years old. Um, so I was always a little different with my path in music. And that eventually led to, to piano lessons, to flute lessons. Um, I tried joining choirs for a bit and then had more fun uh, accompanying for the choirs. Um, got involved in concert band and jazz band, show choir in, or in high school. I finally got opportunities to start conducting with oh. marching band as a drum major and uh, within concert band. Um, within show choir and concert choir rehearsals, I, I played piano well enough that I took it upon myself to constantly lead side rehearsals and, and all of that. And I knew I always wanted to follow a path with conducting and music direction. That, that's what I loved the most, getting to understand the music and shape the music. All right. Wow. And aren't we grateful for that? (laughs) I think, (laughs) I think between, um, between the two of you, we have, oh my, such rich history. And what is, what I find most interesting as I listen to the two of you is that your, your stories and your journeys have not been linear. You have these various twists and turns and you started off in one direction. And while it may be similar trajectory, it went a little bit differently than what one would say is the straight path to, <laughs> to, the, to these accomplishments. How fantastic. Um, is there, either one of you can feel this question. Is there any something, one thing other than perhaps your circumstance, like for you, Dr. Kelly, you in a very musical environment, is there anything that you think pulled you more than say me or another individual towards your musical path? Is there something innately or an outside thing that would pull you into this direction? You know, I come from a musical family. So my mother, I mentioned her, but uh, she directed the choir at the church that we attended. And uh, growing up in the church, um, I, I also had experience with, we had a church band. Back in those days, we had all kinds of things, uh, musical things. We had a church band. My mother created the church orchestra. And of course, um, the whole time that she was directing the choir, anytime she would be rehearsing, I was, I was out there waiting on her. So I, I got to hear music <laughs> from as long as I can remember. <laughs> and, um, okay. and they did, and they did this, the kind of music. My mother, her mother was, a, was also a, a musician and her grandmother was a musician. So all these people, and, and they, uh, they all went to black colleges and all their music is, is pretty much based on the typical black college choir um, back in the day, classical music for them were, was basically spirituals. And we had great black composers uh, who created this music. Uh, most of the music we do today is from a lot of those, uh, those composers. Okay. Um, uh, some of them, I mean, really early in the, in the teens and the twenties and the 19th, you know, of the 20th century. So, um, and you, you kind of grow up with that. And so if I had to say what pulled me, everybody in my family, I had, I had a brother and two sisters 
we all had no choice about music. We all had to take, <laughs> um, we had to take uh, some sort of music. We all started on the piano. I, I was probably three or four when I started. And um, oh I my. think I switched over to a cello. My mother was trying to create a, um, a string uh, trio. So my brother played the violin, my sister played the piano, and I played the cello. And one of the things I learned really early in my life is that you go out and you play for people, and, and many times you, you would make money and doing that. And so all of a sudden, it didn't become such a chore. And um, so all during uh, high school, I played and college, I played. And it opened up a lot of doors for me, but it, it allowed me to have that appreciation for music and want to be involved. So with music, I, I don't know I if that answered your question, but uh, yeah, well, most definitely. <laughs> Thank right. you. I have to um, answer as well because I I feel like I have so much of a a one eighty. Yes, please my do. Um, please do. We, for me, um, and you know, it's it just it's again, it's the time, the place, the way it is. Um, I had a lot of people around me who were very much, you know, always saying, "What are you going to do with music?" What kind of money are you going to make in music? You can't have a career. Like, that was <laughs> that was the majority of my surroundings for a lot of my my time where okay. I I pulled myself along and I'm I pulled everyone along with me to <laughs> to do music. Um we had to all try sports growing up. And so oh, I went wow. through t-ball and then you know trying to actually hit the ball being thrown um <laughs> and indoor soccer and outdoor soccer and track and basketball and karate um and and i was like please let me play the piano <laughs> please let me try an <laughs> instrument um because this was also only by like first grade that i had done all of these other sports and all that's like can i can I, can I do a little piano now? Like the teachers at school, it's already there. You know, like <laughs> you don't even have to buy the instrument. It's, it's at the school. Um, I didn't have a piano to practice with for, I right. think like two years oh, of, okay. of lessons. Um, because I had to, I had to prove to my, you know, my parents. It's like, I'm, I'm serious about this and I want to do it. Um, right. And they started coming to my recitals and seeing that like I was getting better and better. And then I think my, my teacher basically said to them, like, you need to get him a piano. Like he's good. <laughs> so get him a <laughs> piano. And I finally had one that I think we got donated. And so it was, it, it had a lot of broken keys. It was not a great instrument, but it gave me something more to practice with. And, okay. and okay. I just, I mean, I stayed pursuing on it until there was an opportunity to like, okay, I'm going to add taking flute lessons. And I was always throwing it in my parents' face, bless their hearts of like, well, you're paying for Willie to do football and baseball. And I've only been doing piano for the last six years. Can I have one more half hour of lessons at it? <laughs> um, there was a lot of, of trying to like wheel and deal. And then even like, you know, as soon as I was 14, it was like, I'm going to get a job so that I'm also showing you that I can make money and keep my grades up. I need you to keep paying for piano lessons and flute lessons. And I want to add dance lessons. Like, oh my! <laughs> I was, I, I bartered and wheeled and dealed with them on just like, I want to do more on this end. So I'm going to prove to you that I can handle it by being responsible over here. And, and I mean, ultimately they absolutely supported me when I told them I'm going to college for music that 
it was like, okay, it's your life. You get to choose what you want to do with it. Um, and, and I mean, they've, they, they always did give me opportunity when I, when I asked for it, it wasn't like they yeah. ever said, no, you can't do it. But contra uh, in, in, in contrast, while Leon was immersed in the music as part of his family and the environment he walked in or traversed in, you had to kind of open up the door for yourself to get immersed into it. And and while he, I think you said, Leon, you discovered that you could make money playing the, playing your music. Whereas you were like, I'm working extra, I'm making money. Let me play music. Let me let the, me do the that first thing. place where I found that anyone would pay me for my musical talents was in the church when I started okay. being okay. asked to come in and you know be a paid singer. Um, I hadn't experienced that until college. And, and and what college was that? I'm sorry, did you say the name? Um, I was at, uh, no, I went to uh, Montclair State University in Northern New Montclair. Jersey. Montclair, okay, okay, okay. Please yeah. continue with what you were saying about church. Oh, and then it was, um, it was I, I had to look it up. Um, it was a Sacred Heart Presbyterian Church um, in, okay. in uh, Northern New Jersey that I... I got a job at <laughs> um, as, wow. as a church choir singer. It was the first time I was, it was the first time I was being paid to sing. Um, and, and so it was, it was actually where I realized like, you know, at least I can always know that my gift's going to be appreciated in the church. And, and it was almost this great big epiphany too of like, well, the church has always been a champion of music. That's, that's mm. kind of how music really got to, to be, you know, <laughs> what it is. Um, right, which right. is one of those things that I think people forget about, you know, um, and then for me, and in, in terms of what I was going to say with, um, with all the genres, it was like I knew I knew my classical and loved it. I really was falling in love with opera and early music because I was studying it and, and learning about um, chant and Gregorian chant and and the beginnings of of of, of sacred mm, music. The chorals, in that okay, tradition. the choral sounds. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until my freshman year in college that I was suddenly able to start accessing. Um, Moses Hogan was the first oh. composer for me where it was just like, Leon, oh, you know about that one. I where know. <laughs> has all of this been? And, and, and it was, it was, yeah, that, that kind of started really changing my, my, my scope on things um, to a, just a greater, a greater fulfillment and appreciation. Mm, wow. What a wonderful and, dare I say, joyful um, journey the two of you have had. I'm so excited about this new juncture that Christ United is about to um, embark upon, um, have, adding BJ to the team there at Christ United. Um, I can't see anything but great stuff coming out of this. I, I, I understand... <laughs> I'm sorry, what did you say? I said I agree with that. Okay, okay. <laughs> really looking forward to him uh, starting, so yes. Yes, <laughs> yes. Now, as a music director, a music um, ministry at a, a, a church, a place of worship, um, I'm of the impression that music softens the heart and the mind and aids in the worship experience. It's like part of the worship experience and it helps to, to ready you. You walk out in from outdoors or you leave your mental space of the world and then you go into this worship mood or mode, I should say. And the music helps to carry you there. It kind of helps to ready your heart for that. 
Um, as a music, di- I, I think you guys might agree with that. Yes? No? Yeah, maybe? You think so? Well, music music should be a part of the worship. And, you know, many ministers will tell you that uh, uh, the majority of the people that come to church, they probably come to hear the music, <laughs> especially, uh, <laughs> well, many, many churches. I think mm-hmm. even a lot of the mega churches, they... That, and they're doing a lot of modern music, but they have a lot of modern equipment and they have instruments and amplifiers. And that seems to be a, a big draw. But forever, um, music has always been a significant draw to bring people into the church. Okay. And I think most ministers, they, they recognize that. I'll, I think say, you're right. I, yeah. I do. I do believe that's to be true. I'm not. That is definitely a thing. But I was thinking more about. First of all, I love that you said since forever. I like, I mean, that's so perfect. <laughs> but I was thinking more like this question for you two. If that readies the heart of the participant or the congregants when they come in and they're ready to have a worship experience, be it through the music ministry itself or the other offerings there, what readies you guys? How do you guys get ready for this situation? How do you get ready for the service itself? What moves you on, I'm going to say Sunday, but whatever day it is. Let's let BJ start this one off. Mr. BJ over there, how do you get ready for worship service? Well, I think part of it comes back to to understanding what you believe the music brings to to the service, to, to the worship, to any moment, really. For me, music is like air. It's already present. Mm, And what we do with music helps us to articulate something within uh, our acknowledgement. Um, In terms of worship, it's, um, you know, I mean, I I would say, like like Leon was saying, you know, since forever, music has been a part of, of the the sacred worship experience process yeah. and experience and, and um, it's creation. And so there are times where they already go. So in tandem, it can be with actual text or it can be what's evoked without text from the sound. And for some, I think it's, it really still comes back to a choice on where are you before you're, you know, even hearing any music presented because you have to be open to receiving it. I know I say music's in my blood and it's in my pulse um, I don't wake up or go to sleep without something present in my I, my head, my mind. And the first things I'm doing when I'm waking up and the last thing I'm doing before I finally doze off is putting on some sort of where is my soundtrack? Where is my presence for that day in that moment? Um, I guess when I bring it back to preparing for, for worship, um, you know, I feel like I'm kid in a candy store when I'm doing the work and the study of, okay, where are we in the church calendar? What are our readings coming up right now? What are our messages and what are our themes? What's already out there that sets this up? You know, I, in in terms of, of looking at what's coming into, you know, worship with music, I think there's already an understanding of, of that purpose and that presence uh, as a, as a, as someone who's a part of the ministry of music, certainly as a choir director, when you're presenting that, that by the time it gets to, you know, to rehearsal with a group or to a service on a Sunday, 
know, yes. The the understanding and the presence and the intention and all of that is it's so fluid and vibrant already. Um, it doesn't necessarily take a preparation in the moment. Any preparation that happened and it was perhaps just revisiting the knowledge and acknowledging the understanding okay. and the purpose. So, you know, weeks before <laughs> it's having to come and talk <laughs> okay. to someone. So, about it so it's sense. more than just that moment. It's a oh, cumulative it's, it, thing. Yeah. It comes in when it's needed, but it's something that's been building all along. And, and, it, and it ebbs and flows, I think, throughout the year. There are plenty of times when it's the middle of... A, you know, it gets to be July and I can't help it but think of Christmas in July in July. And then I'm singing through my Messiah while <laughs> walking, you know, on the beach because because yes. that's just what happens. So so there's right. there's there's that sort of is what I guess I mean when I say like it's it's in the blood, it's in the spirit and it's in the air and that that mm -hmm. fluidity and understanding mm -hmm. to it that it doesn't it's not just, OK, what do I need to have for this Sunday and then move on? There's there's so yes. much more okay. to it. Okay. You know, Dr. I'm going to comment on that because, uh, first of all, great answer, uh, BJ. Um, that's, that, I mean, that's that's what we want to see <laughs> in, our, in our church. <laughs> mm -hmm. I was um, had the opportunity to uh, uh, spend some time with the Holman Methodist Church in Los Angeles, and partly because my brother and sister-in-law sang in that choir, and it was just an absolutely incredible choir. Um, I think it was United Methodist, but it was a black church that was in the, um, right in the heart of uh, San, uh, Los Angeles. And many of their, um, for instance, one of the people that uh, sang with the choir was a great composer, Jester Harrison. And mm. Jester Harrison has written uh, so much music. In fact, he used to come to San Diego and do workshops, and we always made sure we got to his workshop. And uh, he always talked about his mentor, who was Hall Johnson, who was one of the early um, mm. uh, spiritual composers mm -hmm. uh, did classical music back in the back in the day, and um, so one of the things, I, I'd go to their church and many times I was invited to come up and, and sing with them, but um, th their service was totally coordinated. I mean, from this from the sermon to the scripture to uh, the songs. And they just fit. And it seems like they were able to do that every year. I mean, every week. They, they actually had two services. They had an a early service, 8 o'clock. That's the one my brother and sister-in-law were a part of. And then they had a service at uh, 10 or 10.15, something like that. But um, it was so coordinated. I always thought, thought that that was the goal that I would try to achieve. So what we do is we do meet with the minister on a regular basis um, and we try to coordinate as much as we can. Probably not as good as what they could do because they you, you talk about paid uh, 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 soloists and things like that. They have right. great soloists. Mm -hmm. They probably put on maybe four or five uh, special uh, concerts every year. I mean, they did everything like we talk about the Christmas uh, messiahs and things like that. But they did requiems and I mean, they did, oh. yes, they, used, they yes. used to put on spiritual things and they would have mm -hmm. Jester Harrison actually would come and sing his own uh, spirituals. And uh, let me, let me just an briefly amazing singer. Yes. And, and oh performer. yes. Let me just briefly tell the audience a little bit about that. Just to comment. So Jester Harrison, um, if I have this correctly, 
I'm, I'm so impressed, Dr. Leon. I, I didn't know you were gonna bring up this gentleman, these people. Um, this is part of that rich heritage that we come from and with musical um, Negro spirituals and so forth. Jester Harrison was probably um, one of the preeminent, well-known um, spiritual person. He's a leading expert, quote unquote, on Negro spiritual. He was a composer and arranger and a singer. Um, I think he was in the Amos and Andy show. He was. He was an actor, and many of the many of the people who were in Amos and Andy came to Holman Methodist Church. It was just uh, amazing for me. I, okay. I'd go there for the church, and I'm looking here, and and, and here's Kingfisher's <laughs> mother-in-law sitting up there, and, and of course Jester Harrison was there, and uh, and he not only composed and arranged a number of uh, the spirituals, but he sang them. And, and he didn't just sing them, he performed them. He, was, he did, he did he an arrangement and a performance of Amen. That, yeah, he, he, and, he, he, has a, he has an arrangement of Amen that he did. And that, that was in Lilies of, the, Lilies of the Field, right? That movie I, I think, back in the day? I think that was Lily of the Field. I mean, so he, such, such renowned <clears throat> people you rub shoulders with, sir. Um, <laughs> and, and Francis Johnson... Um, he was, uh, you said um, the Methodist, but I thought he was at the AME church, but I know he went to a private black college, um, Knox, Knox Institute, um, in, in South Carolina. Oh, um, okay. and he went to Juilliard just so our listeners can hear and understand this rich legacy and tapestry that you speak of and where, where these references come from. These are people who started forged these things into um, our, our society and brought forth these gifts that you now speak of. I'm so um, awestruck as I listen to you. Please continue. I'm sorry for interrupting. <laughs> well, no, I just, actually, I just wanted to bring that up about uh, Holman Methodist Church, which was a great uh, church. We, one of the things I'll say we've had over the years for, because of various uh, connections we've had different black college choirs come to San Diego and, and often had the opportunity to have them actually sing at our church. And we've had, we've had a number of them in the past. And um, uh, Bethune-Cookman is a college that had mm, uh, yes. great, um, uh, a great choir. Um, I'm trying to remember the lady who directed them, but anyway, she, uh, she probably directed them until she was about 96 or 97 years old. I think she's still alive. Um, maybe her name will come to me. But uh, at any rate, uh, they came to our, uh, our uh, city. Partly there was an admiral here, um, one of the first black admirals in San Diego in the Navy. Um, his, uh, he was from uh, Bethune-Cookman, and he uh, knew this um, and he actually had sung with the choir back when back in the day when he was there, but he arranged for that choir to come. And um, okay. they, they were a choir like uh, most football teams where they actually recruit people. They recruited people out of New York and Chicago and all those places. And, uh, and they, they put on a concert that you just, you know, it was mostly classical music, but mm -hmm. it, they had gospel, they had spirituals. I mean, and that's what I love so much about the college choirs. And that was just one of them. 
we had Philander Smith come. I mean, we've had mm. we had Morehouse yes. come. Yeah, their Glee yes. Club, and their mm-hmm. conductor at the time was a great, a great uh, uh, musician. And I'm trying to see. I don't remember all those names. If I had done my, <laughs> if I checked it out, I would have remembered some of those. But uh, anyway, he um, they brought their choir out, and um, it just unbelievable music. Unbelievable, mm-hmm. you know. And it just uh, and often I've had. Um, I've had children and grandchildren graduate from some of these schools, and I always go down for their graduations, and that's always a, a, a what are great your experience. Pluses? Yeah, you get to you get to hear uh, their choirs and and some of the music that they perform, and um, you see what it's like to be in that environment. I always say that if a person African American is able to go to a black college at some point in that their lives, they ought to do it. And uh, it's it's an experience like uh, no other. So, just listening to you, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you? I mean, (laughs) that that is it. it Appears well um, when I when I was going to college, you you didn't have a choice. So that was you know you only (laughs) there were only colleges you could go to. When I went to medical school, there were only actually two in the whole country that blacks could go to. Mm. Um, And in the South, it was even worse because they would actually pay students. If you were grew up in Alabama and you wanted to go to medical school, they would pay your tuition to go to Meharry in Nashville, Tennessee, just so mm-hmm. you didn't have to go to University of Alabama or one of those mm, schools down okay. there that were, that were segregated. I've so, heard that. I didn't um, know that was a fact. Oh, okay. that, oh, that was absolutely a fact. So, okay. Um, okay. yeah. But in it, it, there was there maybe have been some advantages to doing that because then you were in a you know I often wonder when people go to all white schools and you're in the minority and you only have one or two of you um, you know a lot of things happen that are even unsaid that you feel yeah whereas when yes. you're in a black college and especially back in the day when everything was separate supposedly but equal but of course it wasn't mm-hmm. equal right. But it was separate. At least you got to see. I mean, when I first went to Nashville, Tennessee, I'd never heard of a black bank before. So I had to go Mm. to the black bank in order to. And, you know, we couldn't go to any theaters in Nashville uh, unless it was the black theater. So we had a black Mm -hmm. theater. We had black motels. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and actually, one of the things that I enjoyed so much about being there at that time, I came in 1960. I left in 1964. And in 1960, everything was segregated. In 1964, everything was integrated. So all of that transition took place while I was there. So we talk about John Lewis, who just Mm -hmm. passed away. Well, he was at Fisk at the time, taking over the student uh, non the student nonviolent coordinating SNCC is what the acronym is. And so, um, so that was such a great experience for me. Um, in addition to the musical part of it, uh, just being in Nashville. So anyway. Wow. Well, one thinks of Nashville, one doesn't customarily think about, um, you know, civil rights movements or even gospel, you know, um, although it has some deep roots over there. Some some of the great leaders came from Fisk. mm -hmm. So they often talk about, and and actually, I don't know if you watched uh, uh, John Lewis's uh, services, but at his services, oh, they definitely. talked about all the people that um, ran uh, the civil rights uh, that that whole uh, 
I would I don't want to say uprising, but that whole protest. And mm-hmm. there was a there was a Reverend Kelly Miller Smith. They mentioned his name, but he was like uh, a Martin Luther King lieutenant. Yeah, he was in he was the head of uh, First Baptist Church in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, which I also had mm. the opportunity to be a part of uh, that church service and sing. But with of some course of their, you did. Course, yeah, it, it was it was really rich in terms of okay. uh, exposure and experience being in that whole uh, community. Mm-hmm. And um, they Fisk always brought top opera singers to Fisk for concerts. And um, and then on the other hand, they had you know the Ray Charleses and uh, all the all the popular people. They were coming. Yes. So there was yes. always something going on in Nashville. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, again, I, I I know it to be true, but often when one thinks of Nashville, these aren't the things that come to mind. Although it is very rich in the history. I mean, John Lewis was a statesman from like the 80s, early 80s to now. He has been a mover and shaker. the 60s. Excuse <laughs> he, me. He was there in the 60s. That's when I was there. I'm sorry. He was a state, he was a, <laughs> a statement, the House of Representatives from the 80s. But oh, he yeah. was, right. He's been, he, was he's he was part of forever. the committee from, I think it was 61, 62 or something. You're right. From I apologize. I didn't he, say he that exactly correct. Those. He took over Snick from uh, Stokely Carmichael, which is a famous name back in those days. You're just name dropping everyone, aren't you? And he was, uh, (laughs) (laughs) he left uh, to leave, he went to Africa and and, uh, Mm -hmm. John Lewis uh, took over. But all the people that they talk about, if you ever look on KPBS and sometimes they'll show these uh, uh, series of, you know, what, took place during the civil rights movement. Yes. And when they get over to Fisk, I mean, all these people were people that I knew. I mean, I didn't know them well, but I knew them and because wow. you know, we were all involved. So it was, uh, it, again, it's just a rich experience being there. So. Mm. Well, I'm just, just listening to you speak of this, um, association this you say you didn't know him well were far greater than any of us would know him i mean seriously (laughs) (laughs) um um um, i know that um a lot of the musical greats like john coltrane he spoke about his experience in nashville he spoke about some of the people that he crossed when asked about music in general he said music was a spiritual expression about his faith and his knowledge or something i'm paraphrasing his quote um, something to that effect. And he spoke about how rich and immersed he felt when he was there at um, um, the, the churches there, the music that that washed over him. So it, it, it is not that I'm saying natural doesn't have it. I'm just saying it's not customary. When we talk about when I say we, I mean the United States, our society in general, Nashville, that isn't the first thing that comes to our mind. Now, as African-Americans, we know that, that there's a huge, deep-rooted legacy um, there um, of that spiritual experience. And it's interesting you should speak about KPBS. You have this gentleman over here at BJ who actually has a KPBS uh, show that he hosts. It, it, is, do I have that right, um, BJ? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a show called uh, KPBS Arts. Um, and uh, it, it's a TV show that airs on weekends um, focusing on arts and culture from around San Diego as well as across the country. 
Wow. I had a minute and I just kind of looked at it a little bit. I'm like, wow, this guy's doing all kind of wonderful things. I'm so impressed and pleased that the two of you agreed to sit down with us today. I, again, I said it before, I can't help but, I'm like gushing sort of, I can't help but say, I'm so excited to see what this new collaboration brings between the two of you. And of course, in general, you know, um, this, this universal language of music, um, I, which I believe is truly a foundational part of who we are as people, as a society. Music is one of those languages that, you know, are, is universal. It is, doesn't require any special knowledge to appreciate, <laughs> you know, um, and it, it is truly a mood altering, being encompassing kind of thing. Um, in this new time that we're in, um, you know, quarantines and, um, you know, accessibility to, to musical services and all the whatnots of that. Here we are learning technology that we never thought we'd have to even touch. You know? <laughs> um, but all of things going on, um, is, is, would you say that music is just as important, less, more important? What, are you, what is your perspective on that? I know we don't have a lot of time left, but in the short while we have left, let, can we explore that a little bit? Um, um, whoever would like to chime in, please do so. I, I, think, it's, I think it's very important. And um, just, the, um, just the changes that we've had to do in order to, you know, because our, our church has been locked down, so we don't go to church anymore. And mm-hmm. so just the ability to, um, you know, get together on Zoom. I mean, we do a little bit of music, but probably more it's the connection that we're staying connected to each other. Mm-hmm. And um, then when we're able to get in and, and have our organists into the church and maybe one or two soloists and then create music, um, it becomes important. And when people look at our uh our, our video of our church service, you'll see how important it is because it just chimes into what's happening with the church service. And um, it's it's not like a full choir doing full things, but it's still there and uh, still important. And um, I've always felt, um, and, and I've been in church all my life, um, that, uh, you know, the word is, is important, but the music is right there with it and i don't think i don't think it's changed if anything like you were implying it might have uh, become more important as a result of uh, our being locked down so okay i i think you may be right about that what do you think bj um i i don't know if i feel that it's necessarily any more or less important okay. i think there may be a change in people understanding the role Mm. and the power of music. But I don't know if music itself has become less or more important as things have changed with technology. I think, you know, if anything, that comes back to being more of that personal choice (laughs) as to uh, whether or not you, you are finding a new way to understand and appreciate music in these times. Hmm. Well, that's something to meditate on. I, I think there's some value in both of those comments. Um, 
and we talked, as Dr. Kelly mentioned, um, right now we're finding new ways to make it accessible. We have Zoom and other technology, um, but it, it appears that people are still seeking to be in fellowship or to be in community to make those connections via the music, via the technology. Um, normally at this time of the year, our choir, the churches around the cities would be preparing Christmas activities and Christmas music. I think um, Christ United is one of the few churches that would offer the Messiah um, or great selection of the Messiah in part um, as their holiday offering. This year, unfortunately, um, it's not going to be able to be produced, but I think we, we have some other musical selections that will probably be offered. Um, what are the kinds of adjustments or what things are coming up holiday season, if there's anything you want to share? Unfortunately, we won't be doing the Messiah this year. And, right. um, and, and you know, in the, in the future, you know, once we uh, get, the, you know, we have a couple of vaccines that are on the horizon and uh, I think it's going to take a vaccine before we can actually protect everybody. So our church won't be opening up for several months yet. Hopefully by next year, though, we will be able to go ahead and put on the Messiah. We continue to have our video uh, uh, services and, you know, we'll try to add, you know, Christmas, uh, Christmas flair to those services. One of the things we do at our church is um, we have um, like a jazz uh, Vesper every first Saturday of every month. And... Uh, it's outside. It's out in the courtyard type area of the church. Mm -hmm. And of course, everybody is socially distanced. And we've had that happen a couple of times. And it's just absolutely wonderful music. And um, people can come and feel very safe and protected because it's not only is it outside, but everyone is wearing a mask and uh, everyone is socially distanced. And um, it lasts, you know, for about an hour and a half to maybe two hours. And okay. what happens with most people, they sort of come and go and they hear some of it. But um, that's that's one of the things that we've added, uh, which is outside. And um, I think is uh, a good um, uh, service that we're providing, like, to the community. And yes. uh, a lot of community people come up and they listen and they're very appreciative of it. So... But, uh, I think that I think you're right about that. I, I think that the community does appreciate that Christ United has become an integral part of the South Park area. Um, will there be Christmas offerings uh, with the Jazz Vesper this year? Yes, in fact, okay. I think one of the in fact this I guess the first Sunday Saturday in December, you'll probably be mm -hmm. doing a lot of uh, uh, Christmas songs and probably have some. Uh, uh, sing-along type things so we're looking forward wonderful to wonderful um, felicia daniel she's it's it's she's the main singer and and it's mm -hmm. her her group that they come and they put it together but it's it's really wonderful and uh, a great great program dr okay. kelly i'm gonna we're gonna wrap it up anyway yep. so thank you bj yep. it was great having you thank i you. hope to talk to you soon Bye, BJ. definitely see you. Um, i'll see you later and I'm so excited. Thank you so much for taking this time with us today. Um, I, I am grateful. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye.